Well, there's lots of prayer requests on there, and it's made itself, made the way through the rotation at least once, so you see all the names of those and all those unmentioned prayers, and so we want to take some time tonight to praise and worship the Lord, and I know the song that Dave's going to start out with, and and uh, I tell everybody, you know, it's not fair as a pastor of a of a church of any size at all because when you have visitors and newcomers they've got one name to remember concerning the pastor but he's got all these names to remember and sometimes that's so hard and uh, Rick that sits over here on Sunday mornings he asked me two or three weeks you know my name man I just knew I was going to remember it and finally Last week, he walked by and he said, you remember my name? I said, brother. He pulled out a card. He handed me a card with his name on it. Now I know his name. It's Rick. So I, I chuckle sometimes as a pastor, and when you have lots of visitors and growth, you struggle to know names. You know faces. And as a pastor, you know where they sit. You just know this, but you don't know their names. And now, as as being one of the evaluators in the bull evaluation for Pharaoh Cattle Company, you're one of the guys in the pens, and your name gets mentioned. Rob, what do you think? Tyson, what do you think? Riley, what's your thoughts on this bull? So they hear your names often. And you go to Texas twice a year, you go to Colorado twice a year, you go to Missouri once a year. And so when these people start showing up, it's kind of the same thing like a church growing. You see all these people coming, and I told you this morning, 40 people from eight different states. A lot of them are there every year, and you know them. And all of a sudden, when they're walking towards you, you're just begging God for their name. Man, I know that face. Just give me their name. I know what they talked about. I know the kind of bulls they like. And you're begging God for their name. And I'm the world's worst at names. And so I I hope it don't offend you because I struggle with names. My wife one time when I introduced her, I was concentrating so much on a new couple's names. I remembered their names. And when I went to introduce them to Donna, I forgot hers. I'm just joking. But I struggle with names, and sometimes that offends people. I want you to listen to me. The song we're fixing to sing, he knows your name. And man, of all the people that you would like to know your name, wouldn't it be Jesus? Aren't you glad? Aren't we blessed? that out of all the 7 billion plus people on planet earth are we not a blessed people that he not only knows every one of us by name he knows the number of hairs on our heads he knows everything about us I sure am glad that he knows my name man that ought to cause you to want to worship him to cause you to want to praise him tonight because we serve a God who knows our name. Amen. Won't you stand? Let's worship. He knows my name. He knows my
Before Dave starts this next song, we had our 12 group meeting yesterday. If you was in a group of the 12, you know, that started in 12 and 20. And what that means is each year I get 12 guys, they get emails from me, and that's a discipleship group that I live lead. And then after the 12 and 20, some of them guys led groups. And so on and so forth, okay? Yesterday, we, you know, once a year, all those groups come together. And we had that yesterday, and some of the 20 groups, 21 groups, 22 groups was telling the new group that was there. Most of the advice they got is, you don't want those emails to quit December 31st and have regrets of not answering and not growing that was that was the most advice you don't want them service projects to end and you made it to one or two that was the advice that went around the room and so when that was all over I said guys man I feel like a football coach I've had some good groups and some bad groups just how it is when you're a high school football coach you just take what you get there's been some good groups and bad groups when it comes to the service project and response times but I said I'm going to tell you one that we've all failed at and I'm the leader so I'm taking responsibility he's fixing to sing a song sweet hour prayer And here's what I shared with all those men. Sometimes we're to shoulder a burden. I mean, sometimes what we got on our shoulders is just the cross that God give us to carry. In other words, it's my cross. It's not my wife's. It's not my brother's. It's not my sister's. And some of the things that I have, they're just my cross to pack. And so that means that's a burden that I'm just a shoulder. Just put it on. It's my cross. Pack it. Right? We've all got a cross to bear. But then I said, secondly, guys, some of the burdens we have, we need to shed. Some things we pack around that God never intended us to pack around. We complain about getting it heavy and He whispers by way of Holy Spirit, let it go. (laughs) Drop it. Get rid of it. You get it? Some things we're not supposed to pack around. But here's where I told the guys, every group has probably failed. And I'm taking responsibility and I want it to stop now. We're to shoulder some burdens. We're to shed some burdens. But please hear me out. Some burdens are to be shared. That's when it says share one another's burdens in Galatians. And so yesterday I just asked, is there anybody in here that's, boy, you just feel like it's one of those burdens. And I tell you what, we had three guys that just lifted their hands. And I tell you what, there's just something about three guys coming in the middle of a big old open dining area in a house. And about 35, 40 guys surrounded him and began to cry out to God on their behalf. That's sweet. And I don't see it a whole lot different in the church house. You know, you think that's kind of a men thing. We ain't going to share one another's burdens. I can shoulder. I don't see it no different in here. We've got a dear brother that's fighting a battle right now in Billy Park. I'm talking about fighting a battle. And I talked to him for some time today. And I prayed with him. And when I hung up, he said, you just tell him to pray for me. You just tell him to pray for me. You know what Billy was doing? He knows he needs the load. 
He knows he needs some more shoulders, honey. Pray for Billy. Altars are open. But I'm going to ask you what I asked that bunch of men in my house yesterday. Won't you get real honest with yourself right now? You got a stronghold in your life that you're having trouble kicking? You got a burden in your life? It's not one that's to be shouldered. It's not one to be shed. It's one to be shared. I done told you one you can come and pray for. He's near and dear to our heart. But if you're one of those, I've got a burden. Or there's something about just coming up here and say, man, I need your prayers. If that's you, you got a burden, you come right up here. Because this is the sweet hour of prayer. This is where we can share the burdens.
God's people said, we can turn on the lights back there and you can open your Bibles to the book of Ephesians. And if you remember, we have been on that of what it's like and God needs some Christian warriors. And so we had uh, learned something about the struggle, the stance and the strength of the Christian warrior. And then we put on the whole armor of God and we very well know that a football player, even if he's a great, you take some of his equipment, his helmet or his cleats, and he's not quite the football player he would be. Who are we to think we'd be a great Christian warrior if we don't put on the whole armor of God? And so we got suited up. And we put on the whole armor of God, and we also learned if you're going to put on the armor of God, they don't put football pants on over jeans. They don't put football cleats on over hay dudes. They don't put a helmet on over a baseball cap. And sometimes I believe we're guilty as believers of trying to put the whole armor of God on over some things that really should have been taken off before we put on the whole armor of God. Amen? So when he gets done with the whole armor of God, he kind of switches gears. Samuel Chadwick said, The one concern of the devil is to keep believers from praying. He fears nothing, listen to this, from prayerless studies. He fears nothing from prayerless works. He fears nothing from prayerless religious get-togethers. He laughs at our toil and our wisdom. And Samuel said, but trembles when we pray. Then Robert Lowell said, prayer is a mighty instrument, listen to this, not forgetting man's will done in heaven, but prayer's a mighty instrument for getting God's will done on earth. Martin Luther said, prayer ought to be the first business of the day and the last of the morning and the last business of the evening. And I like whoever Anonymous is. Boy, he made a lot of good quotes, didn't he? He said, a day hemmed in prayer is way less likely to come unraveled. Pretty good by Anonymous. Samuel Chadwick, Robert Law, Martin Luther, and Anonymous had something to say about prayer. But if you've kept up with our study in Ephesians, the Apostle Paul leaves the whole armor of God, and guess what he's got something to say about? Prayer. And so I want to look at those tonight, and we'll spend some more time in prayer. And the first, time, first point, the first thing that Paul draws our attention to is the time of prayer. It does not say pray sometimes. It says pray always. The time of prayer is always. Ruth Graham simply said, Pray when you feel like it. It is a sin to neglect the opportunity. Pray when you don't feel like it because it's dangerous to stay in that state. Seems like Ruth Graham knew the time of prayer was always. When you feel like it, and when you don't. Now, I want everybody to look up here. It'd be kind of dangerous, everybody walking around 24-7 with bowed heads and closed eyes. We wouldn't get much done if we just stayed on our knees. That's the posture of prayer. One of the postures of prayer. See, you can pray without ceasing. That's what Paul told the church at Thessalonica. Pray without ceasing. I tell everybody, just don't hang up 
just leave the line open. Oh, Eli, he drives Big Bird quite a bit, and he's concerned about being able to talk on the phone while you're in there, and I'm tickled to death you can't hear him there. But he come in, you know, when we first got old Big Bird with one of them earpieces, and that thing just barely does fit in my ear hole. And that thing begins to hurt after a bit. And so I just would keep it turned off and throw it on the dash, and when it'd ring, I'd turn it on and put it back. And a lot of times, by the time I'd done all of the above, they's gone. So he comes in from his Christmas trip home, and he's got one of these high dollar. He said, it's the trucker's choice. And I said, what? And he pulled out a Garth Brooks-looking deal. And it's got a big pad over here and a big hook over here. And he said, man, that other one makes my ear sore. He said, by the time I make that round to, to northwest Arkansas up to Coffeeville and back through Catoosa and back, my ear gets sore. And I thought, Lord, mine gets sore in a 15-minute conversation. You wear that thing the whole way? Eli keeps the line open. So he got me this new piece, and I can keep it on about 20 minutes. But I began to think when I looked at what Paul said about prayer, and I told you that sometimes I take that earpiece, I throw it on the dash. And when it's on the dash and that phone begins to ring, how many calls do I miss by the time I get it turned on and get it shoved down in my ear? I miss it. I don't really care if you wear an earpiece in your car or be like one of them guys working cattle in the sorting pen with your earpiece on. I don't like that. But when it comes to spiritual things, we ought to keep our earpiece on. We ought to be sure that we don't miss a call from God. We ought to be sure that when a prayer request comes over our prayer text that we've got the line and the connection already made. That we're not trying to hurry around and get connected. We stay connected. And when that prayer request comes 24-7, we're connected to God. That's the time of prayer. And when it comes to prayer, Daniel taught us something, did he not? I'm talking about Daniel in the Bible. Daniel would rather spend a night in the den of lions than miss one day of prayer. Think about what Daniel taught us. You get caught praying one time. What do you do? You get cast into a lion's den. Think about what Daniel done. He stayed connected. He prayed without ceasing. He stated to us by his actions, not his words. I'd rather spend a night in the den of lions than miss one day of prayer. Daniel makes a statement with his actions. Would you rather spend the night in a den of lions than miss a day of prayer? Folks, we're guilty of missing prayer and we don't even have to go to the den of lions. God help us to understand the time of prayer is always. Pray always. Pray without ceasing. But secondly, the Apostle Paul don't only say something to you and I about the time of prayer. He says something to us about the type of prayer. He says praying with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Now, if there's one thing that is a no-no, that's getting on your knees in the flesh. Because when you're on your knees in the flesh, you're going to be asking and petitioning God for fleshly desires. Your prayer will not be in the will of God because He's not into what our flesh desires. He's into what He desires. And when we're in the Spirit, guess what? Our desires and His desires begin to match up. So the type of prayer, it has to be in the Spirit. 
Isn't it amazing what we've learned in the book of Ephesians? If you're going to be a sacrificial husband, how do you do it? In the Spirit. You're going to be a submissive wife, how do you do it? In the Spirit. If you're going to be a child that's a blessing to your parents and a blessing to God, how do you do it? In the Spirit. If you're going to be a mama and a daddy that you should be, how do you do it? In the Spirit. In Ephesians, we've learned, how do you be the employee that God wants you to be in the Spirit? How do you be the employer that God wants you to be in the Spirit? How do you want to be the Christian that God called you to do? You'll do it in the Spirit. And if you're going to pray right, let me tell you how you'll do it. In the Spirit, not in the flesh. But I want to point out to you when I say type of prayer, it says with all prayer and supplication. And in our mind, we see prayer, we see supplication. Well, that's just a prayer. No, that's different types. It's better understood when you look at what Paul wrote to Timothy in 1 Timothy 2.1 when he said, I exhort you first of all, the old saying, somebody said, I think we better pray. And somebody says, it come down to that. When Paul says you ought to start with that. Makes you wonder if that prayer, that 80,000 people for that football player that got hurt. The NFL don't want prayer for a part of it, but all of a sudden 80,000 people was praying for a football player. Makes you wonder if they'll consider starting the game with prayer. Paul says... First of all, I exhort that supplications, listen to this, comma, prayers, comma, intercessions, comma, and giving of thanks be made to God for all men. Now, it looks to me like if it was just prayer and it was just one type, he'd just say, I exhort first of all that you pray and give thanks for all men. But he says... Supplication, prayers, and intercessions, and giving of thanks. That, when you break it down and study it, is four types of prayer. Type number one, where it says supplication. That just means asking God. You're just making a supplication Asking God for something. Now, here's where a lot of people struggle. And, boy, people just struggle over some of the things that you need not struggle about. Because, see, there's a verse in the Bible that says, God knows what you have need of when? Before you ask. And so people say, well, that's nonsense that he's now telling us to ask him for something in that word supplication. Well, let me ask you, how many parents we got in the house? A lot. A lot of times you know what your kids have need of. But you kind of hang back. You kind of wait. Because you're trying to teach them. You know, when you struggle long enough, when you get tired, I'm right here with the answer. That's God, folks. He knows what we have need of. But he wants you to realize he has what you have need of. And when you get tired of floundering around in it, trying to do it on your own, he says, hey, you have not because you ask not. I know what you need, but the minute you ask, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to grant it to you. You know me and old Marty Brock, we used to rodeo just a tick. That's a little bit. And I would be around their home quite a bit in, in that time. And Miss Carrie had done went and lost a dog. A dog had run off. And to her, that was a big deal. To me, I just kind of chuckled when she come out there saying, George, the dog, the dog, he's gone. And I didn't, she's all upset. And I just said, dog gone. But it was more than that to her. She fretted when I was around there for two days because that dog was gone. And on that third day, I'm going to tell you what Miss Carrie does. said, I guess I'm just going to ask God to help me find my dog. And she did. And he did. And you know, that kind of spoke to my heart out there, thinking how many times do we waste two or three days 
looking or trying and struggling to do something. And our God, who sits high, is sitting there saying, I just wonder. You know, he could see that dog off there somewhere. I just wonder. That seems so little, don't it? I just wonder. Man, I've got to where if I lose keys, I ask God immediately where they are. I learned, man, don't struggle around and look for them things. I would just ask him immediately, where's my keys? He knows what we have need of for, and that's little things, and he cares about them. He said, just supplications. You have not because you ask not. I know what you have need for, so won't you ask me? That's supplication. And then when it says prayers, now look at this. That is turning oneself fully to God. And let me tell you, that's something bigger than a dog that's lost. That's something bigger than a key or a billfold. That's something bigger than a little financial help that you need. This is when it's got serious. When you give God your undivided attention and you let Him know you've got a heavy, heavy heart. And how many of you know, sometimes you just need to ask God. It's just a supplication. But how many of you have been there and done that? I come to God with such a heavy heart. I don't even know what's going on around me. Because I've got such a heavy heart and a heavy burden. I'm begging God to intervene here. That's what that prayer means. You been there? Let something go wrong. Let a loved one go wayward. Let me tell you, you'll move from supplication of asking God something to begging God and giving Him your full and undivided attention, nothing else on your mind. How many times do we pray with, uh, pray with other stuff on our mind? That's supplication. When you go to prayer and you can't think of nothing but the request you're carrying boldly to the throne room of grace, that's the prayer that it's talking about here. And then intercessions. That's talking about something we ought to do every day, isn't it? Anybody here know somebody's lost and going to hell? Anybody? Shouldn't we intercede for them? Does anybody here know anybody that's sick and battling cancer or sickness? Anybody? I mean, it's almost 100%. Aren't we to intercede for them? Anybody know anybody that's got death in their family? Come on, the Weaver family, the Foreman family. I mean... Tracy Crossfield, her, pa her dad, her pastor's still here. Look here. That's intercession. When we know people hurt and we hurt for them, guess what? We carry them to the throne room of grace. And then he says, giving of thanks. Man, you, you remember that prayer meeting we had where we said, we ain't going to ask God for nothing. We're just going to thank him. You know, that's pretty hard to do because you get to thanking him for all he's done. You can't help but go ahead and ask him for a little more of those blessings that he's poured out on you, huh? There's not a time that we should hit our knees, not a day that goes by that we shouldn't offer the prayer of thanksgiving, giving thanks to God. So I want you to understand the time of prayer is always. And understand these types of prayer. There's never a day that goes by that, that, that they're in something we should ask of God. He knows we've got a need for it. We should ask Him. And let me tell you why we, have, we don't have it, because we don't ask. There's never a day that we shouldn't be so heavy about something that we don't give God our full, undivided attention. And not a day goes by that we don't intercede for a brother or sister or a lost soul. Huh? And not a day should go by that we don't have something to give God thanks for. And God's people ought to be saying, Amen and Amen. So the time of prayer always, the target of or the type of prayer, and now the target of prayer. I mean, we've talked about being Christian warriors, right? They kind of got to know what they're aiming at, don't they? They kind of got to know what their target is. Well, that's us in prayer. We should know where our prayers should be aimed. 
And I think it's important to see this. Number one, they've got to be aimed at ourselves. Look at verse 18. Praying always with all prayers and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this and with all perseverance. I believe that Paul is saying that prayer has to be aimed itself when he says, watch to this and with all perseverance. I didn't know this. I've never been in the armed forces, but they tell me, they teach you, you've got to take care of number one first. You know who number one is? That's you. Now, can you understand that when you're in the armed forces, when they say, you have to take care of number one? wonder why they'd say that. Because if you don't take care of number one, you're no good for anybody else. Think about that in prayer. We're supposed to be praying for other people, right? If we're not where we need to be with God, we're no good in praying for them. So number one, the target is we've got to pray for ourselves. We've got to be watchful. We've got to persevere in our prayer. I like what the old spiritual Negro said. It's not my mama. It's not my daddy. It's not my brother. It's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. So target number one is self. But then target number two, it says it right there in our Bible, is the saints. Being watchful to this and with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. We are to pray for all of our brothers and sisters in Christ. Aren't we? And we take that as we need to be praying for exciting southeast. Whoa, 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 you missed it. It says all the saints. Folks, they're in other churches. They're in other countries. And our target is to we pray for all the saints. We ought to pray for them to be bold and to share. And all God's people ought to say amen. I got to pray for self. I got to pray for the saints. Now I appreciate what old Paul says next. He says pray for the shepherd. Pray for the pastor. Look what he says. And for me. Remember what I said Last Sunday morning, us preachers, we got plenty to preach. We got a whole book. But he goes on to say that I may know what to say. That utterance may be given to me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. Verse 20 says, For which I am an ambassador in chains, that in it I might speak boldly as I ought to speak. You know what Paul was saying? You guys pray for yourself. You pray for all the saints. But go ahead and pray for me that I may know what to say, that I may reveal the mystery of the gospel. I'm over here in these chains. I've got an opportunity. I've got a captive audience. Pray for me that I know when to preach what. And I can better appreciate that because of what I told you this morning of a guy reaching through a cow panel gate, tapping me on the shoulder, and said, 40 people, eight different states. Preacher, don't you think it's time to preach? That's why I want your prayers. Because God is doing what I asked Him to do back in 2001 and enlarge my territory. And He gives me opportunities. And I want your prayers when that opportunity is given me that I know when to preach what. I'm like Paul. Pray for yourself, be watchful and persevere. And all the saints, and by the way, and me. That's what he said. And then he said in this target, not only self, not only saints, not only the shepherd, the leader, but he says pray for souls to make known the mystery of the gospel. In other words, while you're praying for me, Paul says, pray for them to understand the gospel. I'm going to give them the gospel. So go ahead and pray that souls would be saved. Amen.
The time of prayer, it's always. The type of prayer, it's asking. It's giving God our undivided attention. It's intercession, and it's giving of thanks. And the target is ourselves, the saints, the leaders, and the lost. Amen. So I want Dave to come back up here. And I think there's a lot of interceding that needs to be done tonight. I've done mentioned our brother Billy. I'm not going to go into detail. And I figure Billy will come out of it on the other side with a testimony. That's what I figure. That's just how our God works. And you think intercession isn't working? I went into the nursery just before I come out here. Because I know my mom is really good at helping me keep up with the rices. And she said they's here this morning for Sunday school. And said, man, they was both feeling good and looking good. Now, there's a battle. And man, as we continue to intercede for them, man, every time there's a good day. In their eyes, it's probably a great day. Huh? Can you imagine? I'm talking about interceding here. Can you imagine being Maddie, Jackson's parents? Let me tell you what I love about the Hart Funeral Home. Every time O'Brien closes one of them funerals, one of them gravesides, and that concludes the, the church service, and then we're done at the cemetery, I've never heard Brian at Hart Funeral Home fail to do this. He'll step up there, and he'll say, that concludes this service. But for this family, it's only the beginning of the morning. It really starts for them today. You know why? They've been caught up in the funeral planning. They've been caught up with all the family being there. And, and they've just been trying to get through to that day and get their loved one's funeral done. I love when Brian from Hart Funeral Home says, for these folks right here, really, it's just beginning." And encourages everybody there. Remember, in the days, the weeks, the months, they need your prayers. That's what Brian says. You know, last Saturday they buried little Miss Maddie, 12 years old. Healthy girl. Two weeks later, gone. And I just keep thinking about them. And I think about what Brian says. They've been in a battle, but right now it's when it hurts the worst. Georgie Weaver. Man, how long has he been on our prayer request? The little boy from Pegs. He's been on our prayer chain for... Only God knows, four or five years. My wife said when she got the news, it's so sad. And I said, man, really not. And that boy has struggled. It's not sad for Georgie. He struggled all his life. But let me tell you, it's so sad for his family. He was 13. I exhort first of all that supplications, prayers, intercession, and giving of thanks be made for all men. I promise you, you know somebody that needs your intercession. You know somebody going through something tough. The Foreman family. Jesse and I had the opportunity to go see him and he assured us that he had gotten saved. So let me tell you about him. He's okay. He's healed. But let me tell you who's struggling right now. His wife. His daughter. His mama. Let me tell you about old Harold Spencer. Let me tell you about that old sorry outfit. I love listening to him talk. That old sorry outfit's all right. Because he's in glory. He is not fighting cancer 
any longer. He's got a son. He's got a daughter that's a part of our church. And they hurt right now. You've lost loved ones. I mean, death's come to every house in here. You know what it's like? It's fresh. By prayers, guess what? Some of those deaths, those losses over the years, I'm not saying they've gotten easy. They've got better with time and time and prayers of the saints. Let me tell you about these people. Their wounds fresh. It's fresh. Altars are open. Let's put into practice what Paul told us to do. Let's pray. You got a prayer of supplication, just ask God for something. You got a heavy heart. Who you need to intercede for. And I promise you, you can kneel and give him thanks. Let's all stand. Father, my prayer is, is that we would just simply apply and execute on what you've told us to do. Father, my prayer is if there's one within the sound of my voice that does not know you as Lord and Savior, that they'd understand the single greatest, most important prayer they could ever pray is that in asking you to forgive their sins and come into their heart and come into their life. So, Father, if there's one, a man, a woman, a boy or girl lost here tonight, I pray they'd come to pray that prayer. But, Father, I pray that this prayer service would be pleasing to you as we get on our knees in supplication, prayer, intercession, and giving of thanks for all men. Have your word. Jesus' name.